Policy Genius is the country's leading online insurance marketplace. It saves you time and money so you can provide your family with a financial safety net starting today. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius helps you compare your options from top companies, and their team of licensed experts is on hand to help you talk through it. Talk to a team of award winning agents who will walk you through the process step by step. Easily compare quotes from America's top insurers in just a few clicks to find your lowest price. Your work life insurance policy may not offer enough protection for your family's needs. Even worse, it may not come with you if you leave your job. Policy Genius gives you unbiased advice from a licensed expert support team. They have no incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. Thousands of five-star reviews on Google and Trustpilot from customers who found the best fit for their needs. Check life insurance off your to-do list in no time with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Today is August 20th, 2021. In our first story, a new report from the FBI says the riot on January 6th was not centrally coordinated by anyone, vindicating Donald Trump and many of his supporters. But the media, they're not happy because they've been claiming it's been an insurrection for months and now their narrative has fallen apart. No, it wasn't a coup attempt. It was a riot. In our next story, ABC News manipulated the interview with Joe Biden to make him look good media malfeasance, no doubt. And in our last story, Hassan Piker, a leftist progressive commentator, very prominent, is being slammed by socialists for buying a $3 million house. I got no issue with him being successful, more power to him. But let's talk about what's going on with socialism and how it manifests in the mainstream. A lot of hypocrites out there. Before we get started, leave us a good review and give us five stars. And if you really like the show, please share it with your friends. Tell them about it now. Let's get into that first story. As I'm sure most of you are already aware, the insurrection narrative is a lie. It always was a lie, and most of us could see through it, but now we have official confirmation. From TimCast.com report, FBI finds little evidence January 6th riot at U.S. Capitol was coordinated. In fact, they said although there were some groups that did plan on being there and breaking into the building, there were no real plans as to what was going to happen. No one centralized it, and Trump did not coordinate anything, nor did any far-right groups. It was just a riot. The narrative is falling apart. As I'm recording this segment, President Joe Biden is speaking to the American people about, about Afghanistan, and it ain't flying. Criticism is on both sides of the aisle. Democrats and Republicans, the mainstream media, are tearing into Joe Biden. He screwed this one up. You see, the Biden administration is hollow. It was a campaign based on hating somebody else. And that's all the Democrats have today. I received a text message from someone telling me that they were running against, what did did they say? Marjorie Taylor Greene's accomplice, Lauren Boebert, or, or something to that effect. They didn't tell me what they were for. They texted me saying, can we rely on your support and make a donation today? And I looked at it and it just said, we hate Lauren Boebert. So vote for us. I'm sick of it. 
That's why they need the insurrection narrative, because they have nothing of substance to offer the American people. Afghanistan is chaos. The economy is in chaos. Gas prices through the roof, a labor shortage, a southern border crisis. And now Afghanistan, they have nothing of substance, no skill, no merit. They rely solely on telling you how much we hate the other person. So when I get a text message that says, give me money because you and I together can hate, I said, I responded, you have not told me what you are for. Why would I support that? I wouldn't support it for, for, for the other way around. If someone texted me and said, we don't like Ocasio-Cortez and that's it, I'd be like, what are you for? Because I could just be voting in someone who believes the same garbage as the other person I didn't like. And it's not about hate. I don't hate any of these people. I just don't. Well, I don't trust them. I think they operate in bad faith. And I don't think they have the skills or ability to lead this country. And that is what we are seeing with this false narrative. The Democrats relied extremely on this insurrection narrative, and they still do. Despite the fact that all of these news outlets kept saying Trump staged a coup or it was Trump's insurrection. And now we have them saying, yeah, no, Trump didn't do it. We knew he didn't because we listened to what he said. But what are we getting from leftist activists and establishment crony types? They're saying we all saw it with our eyes and our ears. It doesn't matter what the FBI says. Because they know they have nothing to offer you. Everything's in chance of crisis. What are they going to say? Vote for more of the same? They can only tell you, yeah, things are bad, but think about how bad they'll be if Republicans get in. I'm not a fan of the Republican Party. Never have been. I just think right now, the media, the establishment, the Democrats are telling us to our faces, if you vote for us, the only thing you will get is more complaining about somebody else. I'd like to know how we're going to get jobs back. I'd like to know how we're going to secure our southern border. I'd like to know how we're going to get these 15,000 Americans out of Afghanistan. I'd like to know those things. That's not what you get from the media. What you get is derision and lies. But my friends, a new poll from Rasmussen has come out showing that many Biden voters regret their decision. And if they were to vote today, Donald Trump would get their vote. And if there was a vote today, he'd win. It's one poll. I don't know if it's the absolute truth or anything, but I think when you look at independent voters disapproving of Joe Biden more and more as the economy continues to hurt, I think it's clear to see that this was all being maintained by a facade, an establishment narrative that is crumbling before our eyes. Let's read this story. Before we do, head over to TimCast.com. Be a member to support this journalism. You will get an ad-free experience as a member and access to all of our members-only content, which for now is just the TimCast IRL members-only segments. We put up Monday through Thursday, but we are working on a couple more shows. We have to do uh, like rehearsals and stuff and like branding. We got to make sure that uh, we have the titles and the images and the graphics and all that stuff. So go to TimCast.com, be a member, but don't forget to like this video, subscribe to this channel, hit that notification bell and share it with your friends. Uh, Maybe they won't like me. Maybe they are trapped in the mainstream media's narrative engine. I don't don't know what else to say other than let's go through all of this media and see exactly what's happening. Report. FBI finds little evidence January 6th riot at U.S. Capitol was coordinated from TimCast.com. A new report from the FBI is shedding more light on the events that unfolded at the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. Finding scant evidence the chaotic riot was a coordinated effort or organized plot to overturn the presidential election result. Quote, 
Though federal officials have arrested more than 570 alleged participants, the FBI at this point believes the violence was not centrally coordinated by far-right groups or prominent supporters of then-President Donald Trump, according to the sources, who have been either directly involved in or briefed regularly on the wide-ranging investigations, reports Reuters. Quote, 90 to 95 percent of these are one-off cases, said one insider familiar with the report. Then you have 5 percent, maybe, of these militia groups that were more closely organized, but there was no grand scheme with Roger Stone and Alex Jones and all of these people to storm the Capitol and take hostages. FBI investigators did find that cells of protesters, including followers of the far-right Oath Keepers and Proud Boys, had aimed to break into the Capitol, but they found no evidence that the groups had serious plans about what to do if they made it inside, the sources said. Adds the global news agency. I wonder if what that really means is they talked about it, but it was just, just talk. And then when people actually pushed on the barricades, nobody had any idea what was going on. I mean, what they're saying right now about Lauren Boebert, for instance, she gave a tour to people. Why? They're claiming she was involved in the insurrection. There wasn't one. There was a riot and it was a bad riot in a bad place. And it is bad for us. The Capitol during the Electoral College count. That's huge. That's bad. So these people get they get punished for it. But how many of these people didn't riot? How many of them walked through open doors and didn't realize it? What we are dealing with is a failure of leadership. The police weren't, weren't there. The National Guard wasn't there. And they should have been. This should not have happened in any capacity. People should not have been there to be this angry. But the people showed up before Donald Trump finished speaking. And Trump did not say, go in and do these things. He said, peacefully, listen to some politicians. That's what he said. The clever propagandists for the Democratic establishment have cut together clips where you see uh, Donald Trump saying, we've got to fight hard and strong. So go down to the Capitol. And it's like it's spliced together. He said, now we're going to walk to the Capitol to listen to some politicians speak. That's what he was hoping for. Trump was hoping for Mike Pence to be like, I'm rejecting these results and sending them back to the states. Many Republicans believe that was the correct response because of the lawsuits and questions around what had happened. But Pence wouldn't do that. He claimed to not have the authority, which, in my opinion, is absurd because what's going to happen? You're going to get sued. You take a look at what, you know, de Blasio is doing in New York City. They just do illegal things or, or what Joe Biden is doing with the eviction moratorium. They just do something illegal in defiance of the courts and then wait to get sued. Mike Pence could have done the same thing. He didn't want to. Nobody wanted to stick their neck out for Trump, except for Trump supporters. Many Democrats have long contended the January 6th riot was an insurrection pushed by supporters of Donald Trump to overturn the 2020 election results. So reporteth TimCast.com. But let's take a look at some of the other news. How would you like to go for a wild ride into what the media has been saying now that the FBI of all sources is saying it was not a centrally coordinated event? There was no plan. It was a riot. It was bad. Lock them up. But that's it. Take a look at this. From Reuters, this one's from January 6th. Trump summoned supporters to wild protest and told them to fight. They did. It's from January 6th. Seven months ago, told them to fight, and they did. Interesting date, though. It says 1113 a.m. The chaos in the U.S. Capitol on Wednesday unfolded after President Trump spent weeks whipping up his supporters with false allegations of fraud. Ah, they're going the stochastic terrorism route, claiming that 
Donald Trump, by saying these things, had encouraged people to come down. I, I don't I don't like playing this game. You know, if you say something like we got to fight, it's figurative, obviously. So then they're going to go ahead and accuse Trump of inciting violence. Trump did not centrally coordinate or plan anything. But here's what we're hearing from the left. They're saying, well, of course, but it was stochastic terrorism, right? What does that mean? It means the more Trump says like they're bad and someone needs to do something about it, eventually someone does. And Trump knew it was going to happen. Let's take a look at some of some of the other news that has been pushed over the past several weeks from Business Insider. What's the date on this? They even have the date on this one. They don't. Retired U.S. general says the Trump White House was complicit in the planning of the January 6th insurrection, complicit in the planning. Policy Genius is the country's leading online insurance marketplace. It saves you time and money so you can provide your family with a financial safety net starting today. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius helps you compare your options from top companies, and their team of licensed experts is on hand to help you talk through it. Talk to a team of award winning agents who will walk you through the process step by step. Easily compare quotes from America's top insurers in just a few clicks to find your lowest price. Your work life insurance policy may not offer enough protection for your family's needs. Even worse, it may not come with you if you leave your job. Policy Genius gives you unbiased advice from a licensed expert support team. They have no incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. Thousands of five-star reviews on Google and Trustpilot from customers who found the best fit for their needs. Check life insurance off your to-do list in no time with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. So who is this retired U.S. general who just lied? Lieutenant General Russell Honore Honore, told MSNBC the Trump White House was complicit in planning the Capitol riot. Quote, it's my personal opinion that the executive branch was complicit in the planning and the delayed response that occurred in bringing in more federal assistance to the Capitol that day, Honer said during an MSNBC appearance. That's my own perception based on what I've seen and what I've heard and the fact, you know know what? I'm just sick of it. We had the Russian narrative and they kept coming out and saying, I've seen the evidence. I know it's true. And then we learned that behind closed doors and under oath, they said, I've seen no evidence. I don't know it's true, but they can go on TV and lie all day. The planning of the riot, the FBI said there wasn't any. You see, this is the problem. They don't wait for the investigation. They don't wait for evidence. They claim that they're on the side of science, but what they really mean is mainstream narrative and consensus. If these people just said, look, what we saw on January 6th was bad. Let's see what the FBI pulls up before we jump the gun on this one and start making wild accusations about Trump's White House planning these things. Here we go. Politico opinion. Yes, it was a coup attempt. And here's why. What Trump tried is called a self coup, and he did it in slow motion and in plain sight. They say since last Wednesday, people have been arguing what to call what happened to the Capitol, a riot, an uprising, an insurrection. I've been in public calling it a coup, but others disagree. 
Some have said it was not a coup because the U.S. military and other armed groups weren't involved. And some because Donald Trump didn't invoke his powers in support of the mob that broke into the Capitol. Others point out that no one has claimed or proved there was a secret plan directed by the president and that Trump's efforts to overturn the outcome of the election could never have succeeded in the first place. These observations are based on the idea that a coup is a sudden violent seizure of power involving clandestine plots and military takeovers. By contrast, Trump's goal was to keep himself in power and his actions were taken over a period of months in slow motion. But that doesn't mean it wasn't a coup attempt. Trump disguised what he was doing by operating in plain sight, talking openly about his intent. He normalized his actions so people would accept them. I've been studying authoritarian regimes for three decades, and I know the signs of a coup when I see them. Crackpot conspiracy theorists taking wild and crazed leftist and establishment sources, whipping it into a ball and eating their own refuse. This is what is happening. Someone writes an article that's an op-ed saying Donald Trump was staging a coup because I believe in an extreme interpretation of the of, of the event. Then someone else cites that story as fact and says Trump staged coup. And then they all read the articles in a circle like a whirlpool swallowing their own waste and believing crazier and crazier things until it becomes the insurrection. Meanwhile, the FBI, for all of their faults, comes out and says there was no evidence that any of this was centrally planned or coordinated. But they're telling us right now that Trump was trying to keep himself in power, that, that, he, that, he, was, that he, was, he was planning the self-coup over a long period of time. No, there's no evidence. There's no evidence. But the media just runs with it. Here's the Daily Beast. Damn right, January 6th was a coup. This was Trump's call that led there. Then you have this from the Atlantic. Don't let anyone normalize January 6th. If you can shrug it off as just another incident of Trump talking too much, then you have already signed up for the next incident and the one after that by David Frum. This one's from this month, from August 1st. They really wanted to push that narrative over and over and over again because of what I said. The only thing they have to offer you is orange man bad. Who do you hate? If you hate them, it's 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 what do they call it? Uh, it's negative politics. There's, there's a word for it. I can't remember the the word the, the phrase that describes this. Um, negative negative partisanship. I think it's called. Instead of saying we as political party are for these things and we want these changes and we oppose these things, they're saying that person's bad. Vote for me because that person's bad. And when you say, why are they bad? They say, because they're maggots or, or terrorists or because they staged an insurrection with, with no evidence. Here we go. Juan Williams. On August 16th, just a few days ago, Trump's coup attempt should bar him from the 2024 race. Everybody's favorite Juan Williams from Fox News said, let's agree. Former President Trump is running again. His $100 million in his political war chest, his GOP rivals for the nomination, including top congressional Republicans, fear him. One reason he might not run is if any of the several investigations into his business affairs leads to a criminal indictment. You see what they're trying to do to stop Trump from running again? I, I, I honestly, I hope it's not Trump. I hope Trump doesn't run. I hope it's a DeSantis or somebody else. But Trump's, if, if he runs, okay, so be it. They really don't want him to. They're trying to throw everything in his path, including all of the lies and the manipulations, his coup attempt. Well, here we go. Matthew Iglesias, formerly of Vox.com, tweeted out the story uh, about the no evidence saying, I don't understand this story. Of course, there wasn't a covert plot. The president of the United States was calling for it publicly. We were all there. Whoa. Wait a minute. Matthew, you were at the Capitol attack? 
Seriously? Wow. I knew a lot of people that were uh, uh, who wanted to go to see Trump speak, not the Capitol. I know a couple people who went to the Capitol to see Trump's speech. That was it. But you were there? That's weird. If you were there when Trump was speaking, you'd have heard him say peacefully march down to listen to politicians speak. But what do you what do you, what, what was he saying? What was he calling for publicly, Matthew? You see, this is the problem. That's a lie. It's just not true. Trump did not say go do X. But there is something to consider in all of this. Outside of what the left is saying, perhaps it's not vindication. Perhaps the goal of this is not to prove a point and say the left was wrong and we know we did our jobs. Maybe it's because the FBI was involved themselves. Darren Beatty says, before taking a victory lap here, understand what the feds are doing with this admission. This Fed announcement is 100% about the FBI getting an excuse to justify kneecapping their investigations into militia leadership. There are many who believe that the FBI actually helped coordinate January 6th, that informants and uh, undercover operatives were guiding and manipulating and pushing people in this direction. Some even argue that the people who were pushing on the barricades and starting the fights were probably, you know, saboteurs or, um, you know, undercover operatives. I have no evidence to suggest that's the case. There is a really creepy video of the first break in where you can see people all black clad breaking through the windows and climbing in. And so the idea is, while we're demanding an investigation into potential informants and undercover operatives, the FBI comes out and says there was no centrally planned of any kind, in which case they don't need to look at the private communications of many of these people. So maybe that's the case. Maybe it's not. I can tell you this. I think the narrative is falling apart. We are seeing the emperor with no clothes. The Democratic Party has offered us nothing but negative partisanship, anger at the other side, and Joe Biden is flopping around like a fish out of water. Kamala Harris can't come out and give a statement on Afghanistan. Where's she been at? Jen Psaki's team didn't do their normal update, but then Joe Biden was supposed to do a, come out at 1 p.m. and then he missed the 1 p.m. and then pushes it back, supposed to go back to, to Delaware. Many people think that Joe Biden is sick because he's been going to Delaware over and over again and won't release a release who's been visiting him. And the man is about to turn 79. Or is he 79? I don't know. I th- yeah, when's his birthday? It's like November or something. 79. Take a look at this story. White House goes silent after Biden's Afghanistan interview debacle. President schedules no public appearances and Jen Psaki's team failed to host daily briefing. Now, this was from yesterday, mor- uh, yesterday evening. And today, Biden announced he'd be speaking at 1 p.m. and then at 2 p.m. leaving for Delaware. But there was a major backlash. People felt like he was running scared. It was funny. Someone from the White House said, Joe Biden won't shy away from hard questions. And then this like public announcement, Biden cancels 1 p.m. speech. He pushed it back. He ended up speaking. He did. I'm not, I'm not trying to say he didn't speak. But a lot of people roasted him for it, saying that the questions are from friendly press, the friendly as they can get. And that the administration is just absolutely in chaos. All of this stuff should come together to show you the lies of the machine. Take a look at this from Rasmussen. Election regrets. Most wouldn't vote to reelect Biden. Most voters would not vote to reelect President Joe Biden and a significant number who voted for him in 2020 now regret their choice. A new Rasmussen reports national telephone and online survey finds that if the next presidential election were held today, 
37% of likely U.S. voters would vote for Biden. 43% would vote for Donald Trump. 14% say they would vote for some other candidate. Among voters who say they voted for Biden in last year's election, 12% now say they regret their vote. By comparison, only 2% of Trump voters now regret their vote. If a rematch of the 2020 election were held now, Trump would win because only 79% of Biden voters say they would vote for him again, and 7% would switch their vote to Trump. By comparison, 81% of Trump's 2020 voters would vote for him again, and just 2% would switch to Biden. 10% of Biden's voters would vote for some other candidate, while 12% of those who voted for Trump would vote for some other candidate. Of those who say they voted for some other candidate last year, 21% would vote Trump if the next election were held now, while just 7% say they'd vote for Biden. I love the memes. There's one where they're, they're, a woman is holding another woman's head up and it says, you know, if you voted for Joe Biden, these are the policies you supported. It's not just Joe Biden, though. It's Kamala Harris from New York Post. Kamala Harris tanking in polls as she goes to ground on Afghan withdrawal. As I said it before, and I'll say it again, where, where these things come together, this is important, is that January 6th is the perfect example of them saying, vote for us or face the consequences. Look at the evil boogeyman of the far right. Vote for us. You don't give me anything. I'm not going to vote for you. Unfortunately, the plan worked. It worked in 2020. They offered up no real candidate. They knew that if they chose a Buttigieg or a Kamala Harris or a Tulsi Gabbard, whatever the issue may be, or Andrew Yang, that it would be polarizing. A lot of people would say, I don't like the policies of these individuals. And so they might not vote. And as you can see, Trump gained something like 12 million more voters. I think more than that, like 13 around that. So they said, Joe Biden, stay alive. Literally, that's the article from The Atlantic. They said, all we need is your corporeal form. Well, when you're running an election based on not Trump, that means that you're putting in a hollow administration. We have no president. Joe Biden sleeping, disappearing, not doing press events, not speaking, not taking questions. We have absolute chaos now with Afghanistan and Kamala Harris is nowhere to be found because they weren't, we didn't vote for anybody. Joe Biden didn't come out and say, I've got a bold two-part plan. You know, with Afghanistan, we're going to do this first, and then this first. We're going to start with evacuating all of our troops, and then we're going to blow up the air. None of that. Nothing. Instead, Joe Biden kept calling a lid, not appearing for the press. And then Trump just kept speaking. And the Democrats were hoping that hatred for Trump would elect Joe Biden, just like with the insurrection is their plan to say you must hate, you must fear, you must oppose. No, please. I want to know what we're for. I want to know what we're going to do. The Democrats don't seem to do anything. No, no, don't get me wrong. Republicans don't seem to either. Now, even Kamala Harris is getting roasted. So while Republicans are calling on uh, the 25th Amendment, I'm not entirely convinced that the 25th Amendment is the right move because that just means you get Kamala Harris. And apparently most people think she's unfit to be president, too. So then what? Nancy Pelosi? Yeah, get out of here. She's on the way out. So then I think it's what? Chuck Grassley? Oh, geez. My friends, is this the end of the American empire? It's the, is this, it's the end of the big peak. I mean, it happens. Look, the Soviet Union fell apart. That seems crazy, right? It just overnight almost just gone. People woke up one day and they were like, I guess we don't have a centralized authority anymore. Why do that? I don't know. You know, you can read history to figure out why these things happen. But is this it? 
We've got a presidential administration in chaos, a political party that can only rely. I mean, let's just be let's be honest, both that can only rely on hating the other person and not standing up for principles. How long can that go on for, especially now with everything we're seeing with Afghanistan? China's mocking us, saying, look at the weakness of the Americans. You're a waning power. And I think that's true. Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all-time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five-star reviews on Trustpilot, Google, and the Better Business Bureau. Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process, and life-changing results, which you can see for yourself online. That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Pool today and discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. I think the narrative is completely broken. The National Review writes, something is wrong with the president. Yeah, I think something is wrong with the president. And we knew this was going to happen because the dude's 78 you know, Trump's pretty old, too. If he were to run again, he'd be old. That's why I'm like, DeSantis, he's younger, you know, and uh, he's done pretty well with Florida. Something is wrong with the president. Now, the article, for the most part, just goes through the things he was saying or struggling to say. ABC News manipulating what Joe Biden said to make him seem more coherent. And they end with talking about uh, potentially Joe Biden ain't all with it. The president turned 79 in November. He last released a summary of his health condition in December 2019. In May, a White House spokesman said Biden had not had a medical checkup for or taken a physical this year, but that he would by the end of the year. There have been no updates on the president's health since. Back on July 26, John Ellis astutely analyzed how it was acceptable to acknowledge Biden's age and mental condition if you used certain euphemisms. Somewhere along the way of the, of the last few years, Biden transitioned from young old to old. Veteran reporters describe the transition in code. He lost a step or two, or he's lost something of his fastball. You're not supposed to talk about it. If you do, and you're a Democrat, you're scolded for aiding and abetting the enemy. If you do, and you're a Republican, God forbid, a MAGA voter, you're a horrible hate monger trying to overturn the results of a free and fair election. And you probably watch Fox News to boot. The problem is that it's all there for all to see. Pretending not to see it is untenable. Something is wrong with President Biden, and we are all being asked to pretend we don't notice. The New York Post, August 11th. Biden won't release Delaware visitor logs despite 17 trips home. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said Wednesday that President Biden won't release visitor logs from his Delaware residences despite making 17 trips home in six months. The decision comes despite the Biden administration's claim to restore transparency and trust in government, including with the resumption of limited release of White House visitor logs. Quote, I can confirm we are not going to be providing information about the comings and goings of the president's grandchildren or people visiting him in Delaware. You see how they do that? His grandchildren. 
So you're claiming the people who are visiting Amara's grandchildren, are you? No, you're, you're, you're using that to make it seem that's the case. Because the reality is he's probably being visited by specialists because the dude is old. Zaki said this at a daily press briefing. Transparency advocates say that the same logic that applies to the White House visitor logs applies to records of who's visiting Biden at his homes. Tom Fitton, president of the conservative group Judicial Watch, told the Post that this policy makes a mockery of White House claims of visitor log transparency. It's an easy way to bypass the alleged transparency they're promising, Fitton said. If they're going to take the position that this information should be public, what are they hiding when it comes to visiting his home? The presidency doesn't stop when he's visiting Delaware. He is presumably doing work, so the public has an interest in knowing who is visiting him there. Is Hunter Biden visiting him? Yeah, Joe Biden is the one who had Hunter at the vice president's office meeting with his business partners. They say the links between the elder Biden and his son's business ventures are often murky, and I don't care too much about that. I think this is Joe Biden being sick. I think he is going home, so he has extreme privacy. It's harder for the press to see what's going on, and then his doctor can come and see him. Let me tell you, I'm sure the media will come out and say, Tim Pool claims without evidence that Joe Biden is sick. I'm not claiming he's sick. I'm saying if I had to make a guess, I'd say he was. And maybe he's not. I'm not saying I I, I believe him 100% to be sick. I say I believe there is ample circumstantial evidence to suggest the president is not well, that something is wrong with him. I mean, look, the dude's old. He's past average life expectancy. I wish him the best. I hope he finishes his term. I don't think we we, we want or need any of this chaos. This is what happens. People voted against. That's what the January 6th thing is all about. Voting against. So they put in place a sick man because they didn't care. That's our politics today. So what are we going to get? Are we going to get a Republican who just says, here's all the reasons I hate Democrats. And if you vote for me, I will continue to hate them. I'm like, that doesn't do anything for me. That's not going to uh, make my life better. And so you have a lot of people. I'm saying to people like, I don't, I don't, want, I don't want to vote for the Republican Party because they're trash. They don't do anything. The Libertarian Party is pretty crazy. I don't know who I'd vote for. The Democrats have lost their minds. The system's falling apart. And people say, Tim, if you don't vote for the Republicans, you're giving the Democrats power. So is that it? I vote for one group I don't like because the other group I don't like more. What are the Republicans going to do for me or anybody else? They don't seem to know. Several of the populist Republicans, the newer, the, the newer, younger, energized types, they seem to say we're about securing our borders and the foreign wars, get the workers back and the manufacturing back in this country. I like that. I do. If we see more of that, I'm down. Outside of all of this, I'll leave you with some optimism. For one, we can see the narrative from the Democrats is all just bunk. But there's some good news. Check this out. Fox News' Greg Gutfeld is crowned new king of late night TV after he scores 220,000 more viewers than Colbert's Late Show on CBS. Comedian Greg Gutfeld's show, Gutfeld's show pulled in more, uh, more, the most viewers during Tuesday's late night time slot with about 2.12 million. Take a look at that. Let's look at these numbers. Where we go? Here we go. Gutfeld, 2.12. The Late Show with Colbert, 1.9. Jimmy Fallon, 1.2. Brian Williams, 1.12. And Don Lemon, 570,000. That's amazing. Now, most of these viewers are older. So we'll see what happens as time goes on. We get at Timcast IRL uh, every night in live viewership. It's, um, I'll, I'll put it this way. It's hard to calculate because YouTube does this separate thing where they have like live viewer count versus like, YouTube hard views of the full podcast, so they're different. But it's between like 300 and half a million every night on Timcast IRL, mostly young people. 
not old people, not older people, mostly young people. So uh, we're not beating Don Lemon. We're beating Don Lemon in the key demo, though. Don Lemon's relevance and all these other people's relevance is with the older crowd, even Greg Gutfeld. I'm not trying to drag him. He's a funny guy. But Greg Gutfeld's probably crushing it in the key demo relative to everyone else. What does that mean? It means younger people are waking up and paying attention and they're rejecting the lies. That's good news. But when you combine the key demo numbers for CNN and MSNBC and Colbert and Jimmy Fallon and all that, it's a lot higher than Fox News. So we will see. But it does feel like the narrative is shattering. Biden can't handle any of these crises, and it seems like everything's falling apart because of it. We'll see how it plays out. Next segment's coming up tonight at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastirl. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. I have long accused the media of translating for Joe Biden, and conservative media does this too. I think it's because people don't know how to write a quote that includes a bunch of ellipses and ums and uhs and stuttering and stammering and wrong words. So they just say, here's what he meant, I guess. And for example, Joe Biden could say something like, you know, we got the Navy in the desert, uh, troops in, in the desert, in, troops in Afghanistan, and, uh, you know, got to get them out. And instead of just writing all of that because it's incoherent and insane, they'll change it and they'll just like, quote, Biden said, we've got troops in the desert of Afghanistan. We've got to get them out. Or they'll say something like Joe Biden expressed his desire to pull our troops out of the Middle East. Because if you actually show the quote, you'll be like, I don't know what he meant. Like when he was speaking at the, the G7 or whatever, and he kept saying Libya instead of Syria. Well, not only have people been translating for him, but the media is trash. And now ABC is accused of misleading edit in Biden interview quote on Afghanistan. President was asked if he believed the Taliban had changed. Now, what's really funny about this story is that the left is saying ABC edited Joe Biden's statements to make him look bad. I shouldn't say the left, like the Democrats. It made him look bad. Tucker Carlson is saying they edited out the parts that made him incoherent and bumbling. I think Tucker is probably more. Actually, I think they both may be right. But Tucker's right because that's why I opened with that point about the media translating for Joe Biden. Biden, my friends, is incoherent and hard to follow often. Now, when he was giving his speech uh, about Afghanistan, reading the teleprompter, I suppose he was able to pull that one off. But even with a teleprompter, he's often confused and stuttering and stammering. stammering. So this is, this is interesting, actually, because we, we, we do have, I believe we have the Daily Wire actually showing everything that was removed from the interview. And that's actually kind of crazy. Like, let's be real. They didn't just remove some words. You know, when I, when I heard that ABC had edited what Joe Biden said to the American people, first I was like, well, I'm not surprised. It's horrifyingly unethical. Let his words stand for the American people. But I assumed they were editing down his answers. You know, often you'll see in an interview, someone will say something like, I believe we need to raise taxes on the rich because the rich don't pay their fair share. And they'll cut out the end part because it's like for time, he already gave his answer. We don't need that additional opinion or something like that. I'm opposed to that. But that's typically what they do, something like that. And I'll be like, okay, whatever, right? We know what they do and why they do it. In this instance, they actually pulled words out from like the middle of his statements, like absolutely changing the context. Well, let's, let's read first from The Independent, a more left-leaning outlet as to what they're saying. ABC accused of misleading edit in Biden interview, quote, on Afghanistan. ABC uh, has been accused of misleadingly editing the response of Joe Biden. He gave to a, a question about whether or not the Taliban have changed. 
In an interview with the channel's George Stephanopoulos, Mr. Biden was asked about the Taliban's future strategy for governing Afghanistan. Stephanopoulos asked, what happens now in Afghanistan? Do you believe the Taliban has have changed? No, responded the president. I think, let me put it this way. I think they're going through sort of an existential crisis about do they want to be recognized by the international community as being a legitimate government? I'm not sure they do. However, in a post on Twitter, the news channel published an edited version of the exchange, labeling it as an exclusive. The edited version removed both no and I'm not sure they do from Mr. Biden's answer, which some observer observers said removed crucial context as to the meaning of the response. They are correct. That absolutely did. Joe Biden was saying they haven't changed. They are going through an existential crisis. I'm not sure they actually care. So he gave an elaborate response. What did ABC do? Remove those negative statements. So he just said, do you think they've changed? I think they're going through an existential crisis about whether or not they want to be recognized by the international community. That is a yes. Fake news, man. You know, what's funny is all these young people who don't understand the media just lies are probably now shocked. Not like that. I don't understand. I don't understand why these young people care about Biden anyway. Enjoy waving your little flag for your tribe, weirdos. But now you get to see how the media is manipulating and lying about you. Not, not, not like I think these young people actually care or pay attention. But this is reality. ABC News' tweet sparked a debate on Twitter over whether or not the edit of Mr. Biden's remarks had misled the public. It did. Some Twitter commentators accused ABC News and the wider media of being disingenuous. They are. One user said the edit changes the precise meaning and context of the rest of his answer. Another said the problem with the current media is uh, media in one tweet. There's no appetite for honesty and substance. It's all click based. Others were less convinced the edit made a significant change. One said one user said, I'm not sure that the no makes much of a difference here. It did. And the, I'm not sure they do. Definitely does. He's outright saying they don't want to change. Right. He's like they haven't changed. They may be contemplating something, but I don't think they really want to change. You get rid of those last parts and Biden's basically saying they may want to change. It's very, very different. And conservatives were roasting Joe Biden over this because it made it seem like he was, play, he was, he was trying to placate the Taliban or trying to apologize for them. He said, no, making me defend Joe Biden. Come on. I don't want to do that. But hey, same thing happens with Donald Trump. I'm like, stop making me defend the guy. Tell the truth. I can be honest about my criticisms. We got the Daily Wire here, and I, am, I will also note the Daily Wire, now with that beautiful green checkmark, NewsGuard certified. That's right. For a while, they were called fake news by NewsGuard, but NewsGuard says the Daily Wire is okay now. All right. From the Daily Wire, ABC News appears to have not aired 900 plus words from Biden during interview on Good Morning America. Here they are. Now, this is interesting. They say the interviews come as the administration faces an absolute debacle in Afghanistan. That was precipitated by Biden's chaotic pullout of the nation. Biden has avoided answering questions from reporters during two brief sets of remarks that he gave to the media this week, and he has spent a significant portion of time during the crisis on vacation in Delaware, where his administration refuses to disclose who he meets with. Now, now look, I contemplated opening with that story because um, I think Joe Biden is ill. I do. He keeps flying back to Delaware. He's flying back again today. He's uh, not revealing who he's meeting with. Doesn't sound good for someone, uh, a man of his age. Where is the rest of the administration? I don't know, but just speculation. And, and maybe we'll do a bigger segment on that later. They say a review comparing the transcript released by ABC News to video footage aired on television uh, on Good Morning America uh, uh, and on the YouTube. OK, we get it. 
a little over 900 words on a variety of topics related to Afghanistan were not aired. Some of the remarks that were not aired are inconsequential to the interview, like when Biden thanked Stephanopoulos for the interview. ABC News could have withheld parts of the footage due to time constraints. However, many of the instances in which Biden, Biden's remarks were not aired appeared to be negative moments where he struggled. Interesting. The left tried making it seem like the media was making him look bad, but it may be that they're making him look good. The following are the most significant parts of the interview that do not appear to have aired. A full transcript and both, uh, and both video clips published on Good Morning America YouTube channel are featured toward the bottom of the report, with words in bold font not being included by the network. Stephanopoulos says, let's get right to it. Edit it out. Back in July, you said a Taliban takeover was highly unlikely. Was the intelligence wrong or did you downplay it? Biden said, I think there was no consensus. If you go back and look at the intelligence reports, they said that it's more likely to be sometime by the end of the year. The idea that the tell and, and then it goes further on, even as late as August, I think you're going to see the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff and others speaking about this later today. OK, I don't I don't I understand why they edited why, why they removed that. What are they going to do? The idea that the tell and then it goes further on. What? I don't know what that means. I don't know what he's trying to say. Part two. This whole this this whole section was removed. Stephanopoulos said, I I think a lot of a lot of Americans and I, even a lot of veterans who served in Afghanistan agree with you on the big strategic picture. They believe we had to get out. But I wonder how you respond to an army special forces officer, Javier McKay. He did seven tours. He was shot twice. He agrees with you. He says we have to cut our losses in Afghanistan. But he adds, I just wish we could have left with honor. Biden said, look, that's like asking my deceased son, Bo, who spent six months in Kosovo and a year in Iraq as a Navy captain and then major. I mean, as an army major. And, you know, I mean, he he had regrets coming out of Afghanistan. I mean, out of Iraq. <laughs> oh, jeez. He had regrets to what, how, how it, I'm trying to read the stuttering and the stammering, mind you. That's why I'm reading it like this. He had regret to what's how how it's going. But the idea, what's the alternative? The alternative is why are we staying in Afghanistan? Why are we there? Don't you think that the one, you know, who's most disappointed in us getting out, Russia and China, they'd love us to continue to have to. OK, that's that that first paragraph. He confused his his son's rank. Or I'm sorry, he, uh, where his son was. It's no wonder they removed that. It's it's incoherent. Stephanopoulos asks, these are these are all included, so I'll skip over these. He says, so you uh, you don't think that this could have been handled. This exit could have been handled in a better way. No mistakes. Biden gives a response. Stephanopoulos says, so for you, that was always priced into the decision. Biden said, yes. Now, exactly what happened is not priced in. But I knew that they're going to have an enormous, enorm. Look, one of the things we don't know is what the Taliban would do in terms of trying to keep people from getting out, what they would do. Now, here's the removed section. What are they doing now? They're cooperating, letting American citizens get out, American personnel get out, embassies get out, etc. But they're having we're having some more difficulty in having those who helped us when we were in there. Stephanopoulos says, and we don't really know what's happening outside of Kabul. Biden's response, pardon me. We don't really know what's happening outside of Kabul. Biden says, well, we do know generically and in some specificity what's happening outside of Kabul. We don't know it in great detail, but we do know. And guess what? The Taliban knows if they take on American citizens or American military, we will strike strike them back like hell won't have it. So Stephanopoulos then says, how about our Afghan allies? We have about 80,000 people. This whole section, this is crazy. I can't even read all of this. 
All of this stuff that's been removed. This is insane. Wow. My friends, I, I, I'm not, I can't read through all of the stuff they pulled out. Look at this one. In one of the answers, they pulled random words out from the middle of the, of, of the, of, of the answer. Biden answered a question. He said, that tells me that my, and now here's the removed part. My dad used to have this expression, George. If everything's equally important to you, nothing's important to you. That was removed. But here's the best part. He says, we should be focusing on where the threat is the greatest. And the threat, they removed the words, the threat. So he says, and the idea we can continue to spend one trillion. They edited that to remove his lapses. Now, look at this. They cut a sentence in half. Here's what he said. The idea that we can spend a trillion dollars and have tens of thousands of American forces in Afghanistan when we have North Africa and Western Africa, the idea we can do that and ignore those looming problems, growing problems, is not, not, is not rational. That's what they aired. Here's what he really said. The idea that we can, we can continue to spend a trillion dollars and have tens of thousands of American forces in Afghanistan. And when we have what's going on around the world in the Middle East and North Africa and the West, I mean, excuse me, yeah, North Africa and Western Africa, they removed that whole section of his answer. This is insane, man. Look at this. And, this, and, and it's no wonder the Daily, the, the, uh, the Daily Wire is publishing this. I can't read through every single thing they, they, they removed. They edited out the words, so. They read, edited out the words, I got into office, George. Wow. Look at this one. He says, I got into office, George. Less than two months after I, elect, I, I elected to office, I was sworn in. All of a sudden, I have a May 1st deadline. They removed the part where he says, I got into office. They absolutely change everything. Well, Tucker Carlson, he's roasting him. He says Joe Biden interview edited to make him look less incoherent and confused. That's true. Newsweek reports Fox News host Tucker Carlson has suggested, suggested, he's right, that ABC News selectively edited a recent interview with Joe Biden in order to make him look better by excluding a portion of his conversation with George Stephanopoulos. Carlson told his primetime audience on Thursday about the recently released ABC News transcript of the Wednesday interview. That transcript featured a section that was not broadcast where Biden discussed his deceased son, Beau Biden. In that exchange, Biden appears to say that his son was in the Navy before correcting himself and saying Beau Biden was, was in the Army. Carlson described the exchange as not presidential. Uh, you know, look, I'm less concerned about Joe Biden at this point stuttering and stammering in an interview as I am with the media actively manipulating conversations to change the context to lie to the American people. And why are they doing it? Why are they doing it? I'll tell you why I think so. The media wants war. War is good for ratings. War has always been good for ratings. Conflict and chaos, they love it. That's why they won't shut up about Afghanistan right now. That's why every headline is Afghanistan, Afghanistan, Afghanistan. It's money. It's shock content. It's scary. It makes people scared. It makes them profits. So in my opinion, their whole attitude is, how do we get back in? How do we get more troops on the ground? Well, this is exactly how. We'll see, though. Will the American people and the younger generation fall for it this time? The media keeps putting out these videos that are shocking. People be, uh, being executed, beaten, protesters demanding freedom, being attacked. And you have to wonder why it was that Joe Biden did the things he did when he was exiting. The Daily Mail reports CIA counterterrorism chief joins long list of military officials saying Biden was warned. Afghanistan could capitulate in days after president said he can't recall the warnings and Mark Milley saying no one saw it coming. Many people are speculating 
the grand conspiracy, I suppose, that it was on purpose. Joe Biden botched the withdrawal on purpose so that the Taliban would rush in like useful idiots, shock everyone in the media and around the world so that Joe Biden would say, I have to send in troops. I've had people messaging me saying, there are 15,000 Americans in there, Tim. Are you ready for videos of beheadings for the next month? We've got to send those troops in. And I'm like, here it comes. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code POOL at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code POOL. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. You know, I praise Joe Biden for following through with the withdrawal, but I don't think it will be a withdrawal. I mean, he's already putting in several thousand more more troops. They're being deployed. Are we now going to have more troops deployed to Afghanistan? We are. And I'm hearing people say that their buddies in the military have gotten their, their orders. They're going to be deploying to Afghanistan. We're sending in more troops. You know, here's what I think will happen. We're going to see manufactured consent. Uh, what I mean by that is the media will keep showing these things. They'll keep defending Joe Biden or in some instances. And what will end up happening is the American people will, will be inundated with these images. The Democratic establishment types and the neocons will then start saying only, you know, uh, the far right opposes saving the, the Afghani people. They'll say something like the far right agrees with the Taliban and things like that. They'll say that's why they're actually supporting it. And they'll use conjecture and lies and manipulation. They'll put out that news to manufacture the image that the American people would favor a return to Afghanistan. At the very least, Joe Biden will just do it. And I mean, that's that's what's happening. Daily Wire, I'm sorry, Daily Mail says Douglas London said Biden was being misleading at best in his denials. London was the CIA's counterterrorism chief for South and Southwest Asia. He then worked as a volunteer advisor to the Biden campaign. He said Trump and Biden officials were told Afghan collapse could come in days. His scathing assessment comes after Biden said he was never warned of the risk. So why is Biden lying? What image is being crafted by the lies and the media manipulations that we didn't see this coming? We didn't screw up. The Taliban is an unscrupulous, evil organization that must be stopped. And if we don't act now, American citizens will die. That's the narrative, baby. So when I mentioned, you know, I was talking on Timcast IRL that I understand why, uh, in some circumstances, there's an argument for intervention. You don't want to see the Soviets, for instance, in the Cold War, expand to the point where you can never stop them, and then they take you over. Afghanistan isn't that, though. You know, we, we do have the issue with China's expansion, the Belt and Road Initiative and things like that. But we're not in Afghanistan for that reason. We've been in Afghanistan for 20 years. Why? 
and they want to stay there because they want nation building, because they want to stay in Germany and South Korea and Okinawa. And it's really funny because there's this one guy, I can't remember his name. He tweeted this out and the forever wars in Okinawa, Germany and South Korea. And I guess he was being facetious all of a sudden now defending the idea that we should be occupying Afghanistan for some reason. And uh, my response is like, that's a good point. Why are we in Germany? Is there something in Germany we need to be protecting? Can Germany not protect itself? Pretty sure Europe is capable of defending itself. And it's about time the United States stopped being the world's military or the world police. But you see where they want to go with it, right? They don't want to give up that power. America to us is very different than what America is to them. America to us is its founding history, its founding fathers. It's the ideals of freedom and liberty in the Constitution. To them, the elites, the, the Bidens, the establishment, the billionaires, America is a, a central operation uh, headquarters for militaristic endeavors to whip the world into line. I'm not all about that. I'm a big fan of the founding fathers. But at some point, our, our political elite, our political class, maybe 100 years ago, whatever, I don't know, World War I, maybe, decided America can be the base of operations for militarism and empire around the world for some elite internationalist ideal. And therein lies uh, the biggest problem with all of it. Most Americans just want to do their thing be left alone. But the powers that be, the establishment elites, they want bases in foreign countries. They want Dave and Busters around the world. No offense, Dave and Busters. I'm a big fan, but you know what I mean? They want this suburban McDonald's tourism reality for every country. And it's gross. It's disgusting. I went to uh, the Bahamas. Uh, where was it? NASA, I think. And I, was, I think it was NASA. Is that, is that, is, is NASA in Bahamas? I, no, maybe not. Maybe, maybe I'm thinking of somewhere else. I don't know. I can't remember. Um, what's the, what's the city in the Bahamas? I can't remember. But uh, we, we went there. It was on a cruise. And I went, you know, getting, getting off the boat. And I'm all excited to see like the local fare. And what, what do I see inside? Gucci, Hard Rock Cafe, McDonald's, Starbucks. And I was like, I have those a block from my house. What is this? Why am I here? So I left. I was like, I'm gonna go to the neighborhoods and find somewhere to eat. That's what I did. You travel around the world and that's what you get. Hard Rock Cafe, Gucci, Bubba Gump Shrimp, Times Square being reproduced everywhere. It is gross. They are homogenizing culture around the world. That's what's happening with this interventional uh, interventionism. That's their that's their that's their goal in the long run. It makes the world a boring and bland place. They're smoothing out all wrinkles. But sometimes it's that it's that diversity and that cultural experience that makes life worth living to see new things. Man, could you imagine living in the world where, in a world with just one store? And it's like, hey, do you guys want to go to the hot tourism spot? There is a Starbucks. Got Starbucks across the street from Starbucks. I think that's what they're trying to do. And I wonder if this all, all of every, you know what they're doing, the ultimate end goal is going to be a, a, a manufactured consent, convincing American people that the American people want war in Afghanistan, which I don't think they do. But here it comes. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out. I'll see you all then. Renowned leftist, progressive, socialist, 
Twitch streamer and political commentator Hassan Piker has purchased himself a nearly $3 million home in West Hollywood. And boy, are leftists angry. You know, when I heard that a socialist made made all this money, is super rich, and was going to buy themselves this massive mansion, you know, I thought to myself, I thought, oh, congratulations, Hassan. Wow, that's that's really impressive. The guy works really, really hard, and he deserves it. Uh, Hassan streams for like eight or 10 hours every day, and that's no simple feat. You know, I work uh, around 12 to 16 hours every day. The first video that I publish goes up around 10 a.m., but I begin the research and work around 8 a.m., and then we finish and wrap up the final show around 11 p.m., so I certainly understand what it is to work and talk nonstop and, and do this stuff all day every day. And so, uh, you know, congratulations to Hassan for uh, grinding and, and proving, you know, with, with, with hard work, determination, talent, and all that stuff, you can be successful. And uh, I'm going to say it outright, not facetious at all. You are allowed to be a leftist and successful. This idea that you want to promote universal health care or that you want to promote social programs means that you can't be wealthy is just a stupid trope. It's, it's dumb. I don't even think conservatives, for the most part, embrace that idea. You know, right now, in response to Hassan buying this massive home, there are a few questions that arise that I want to talk about. I'm not super interested in talking about Hassan as an individual because he's just another political commentator. But I'm interested in talking about the response to him buying this home because you're getting, for one, Breitbart wrote an article and it seems to be criticizing him for being a rich socialist, which, you know, we'll we'll talk about what that means. And I do think there's some potential contradictory um, uh, issues there. But then you have leftists that are piling on and saying he should be spending this money on mutual aid and and activism and programs to help the working class. Instead, he's enriched himself. But I think there's you need to understand that when it comes to capitalism uh, or free enterprise, when it comes to socialism, the, 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 the political spectrum, the economic spectrum is actually fairly gradient. There are certainly people who believe that 80 percent of all of you know wealth should be controlled by the state or something like that. And you still have the right to make and earn money. I do think there are many people that are making excuses for Hassan. However, and, and I think it's really simple. Uh, I, I'm, I don't believe that Hassan is ideologically 100% like authoritarian socialist. I think he's just very far left. Um, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying that to be disparaging. I think he still obviously believes in personal wealth and success and hard work, and that's a good thing. But there is a big conundrum that I run into when it comes to the left and their principles that we need to address. So obviously, we'll learn about his house and what the left is saying. We'll ask some of these questions. But why is it? We have, we have, uh, we have uh, one story about uh, staff at a socialist magazine were all fired because they tried forming a worker co-op, effectively labor organizing. The guy who runs it was like, later, you're fired for trying to basically unionize. That's, that's weird to me. And then you have the story about Cenk Uger of the Young Turks, who also was called out for union busting. And I'm like, this I do not get. Perhaps I'm too nice and trusting. Perhaps these people are all grifters and they're just saying what they think is popular to make money. And what's funny is they come out and call me the grifter. I'm pretty sure if I was a grifter, I wouldn't say congratulations, Hassan Piker. You do great work and work hard and you deserve it. I genuinely believe that the dude works really hard and he does deserve it. I think there's some interesting moral and ethical questions and philosophical questions around the economics of socialism that need to be addressed by what's happening here. But I got no problem just telling you how I feel. Is it true that Hassan perhaps is just saying things that he thinks people want to hear? 
Maybe. Or maybe he doesn't think that people shouldn't be allowed to have wealth and, 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 and access based on merit, because even in a fully socialist system, the only way I mean, ultimately, it's going to devolve into authoritarianism, which is the ultimate issue. So there has to still be some uh, element of free enterprise for a system to function. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. We've got the Young Turks union busting. We've got a socialist mag- magazine union busting that I do not understand. I am not a far leftist, but I have no issue with unionization. I personally talk about how I don't want to be in a union and I didn't like being forced to. But I got no issue with people wanting to form a union. In fact, by all means, more power to you. I do. I have criticized a lot of these people at these companies because uh, Fusion, for instance, where I worked, these people wanted to unionize without realizing that they were a net negative on the company. They didn't make money. They had no bargaining power. And my criticism for that was that the workers were going to be hurting themselves by doing it. Ultimately, it resulted in like 300 layoffs because the company said, you don't make any money for the company. You have no bargaining position. You could go on strike indefinitely and we don't care. That's my criticism. If people are at a a successful company and they want to form a union, like do it to it. But let's talk about socialism, personal wealth and what's happening right now. We got this story from Sports Kida. I don't know what it is, but they did write about it and included some sources. They say Hassan Piker recently boasted about his three million dollar home in West Hollywood, raised, uh, Hollywood, raised in Turkey. The content creator began commenting on politics on the Young Turks before leaving in early 2020 to become a Twitch streamer. Hassan Abi, now a progressive political commentator on the live streaming platform, is speculated to receive over three hundred thousand to four hundred thousand dollars a year. Wrong. I will just tell you this is wrong. I'm, I'm not here to like drag Hassan in any way. No, I have tremendous respect for his hard work and he's allowed to have his political opinions. I got no issue. Actually, I agree with him on a lot of his political opinions. He makes, I would estimate probably 300 to 400,000 per month, not per year, per month. And that's just based off of his YouTube numbers. But I don't know if he runs ads on his YouTube. I I checked his YouTube channel. I didn't see ads. Um, But based on what people have said about his Twitch stream, having, you know, 1.5 million subs streaming for 10 hours a day, pretty sure the dude's making a cool three, four million a year. He probably pays 50 to 60 percent in taxes. We'll talk about that, too. They say the 30 year old's home allegedly contains five bedrooms and and five and a half bathrooms in West Hollywood. The 3,800 square foot house is described as having a Mediterranean style of architecture and was built in 2014. Since the announcement of Sanabi's home, many Twitter users have commented on the extravagance of the purchase. However, YouTuber Ethan Klein shared his appreciation and support of Piker's home, saying, Yo, y'all really think Hassan shouldn't be able to own a nice house and also champion for the poor and underprivileged? There is a difference between making millions on Twitch and paying 50% in taxes and Jeff Bezos being worth $150 billion and paying no taxes. Happy Hassan is crushing it. Jeff Bezos pays taxes. Uh, Amazon is who didn't pay corporate tax, but Amazon also pays taxes. But uh, I, I, clarifying that, I agree with Ethan Klein. Uh, I think there's literally nothing wrong with Hassan advocating for even socialist policy and then making a few million bucks a year because this is one of the problems we get with establishment Democrat types and leftists that they need to speak up about. There is a very big difference between people who make $250,000 to like a million dollars, people who make a million dollars to $10 million, and people who make 120 million per year or who are worth billions of dollars. And it seems like the only time I hear this from leftists is when they are being criticized for being wealthy. This is the problem I've been trying to bring up for some time. 
when Bernie Sanders comes out and says tax the rich, he's talking about taxing people who make more than 500K. That's a lot of money, but that is not three to four million K. Someone who makes $500,000 a year, they've got all their needs covered. Everything's covered. They're probably giving up about 50% in taxes. Yes, 50%. I can explain how that works in a second. And so they're taking home in cash about 250, a lot of money. So they got their house, they got their health care, they got their kids, their family, their vacation, everything's covered. And then every year they got about 180, 150K for investments. That's a lot of money. You can do a lot with that. That's a very big difference between Hassan making, say, four, four million, where he's got a cool 3.8 million or 3.9 million to invest and gain more and more wealth and power. That's, I think, what typically the socialist criticism is, but it seems to fall on deaf ears once it comes to leftists themselves. In this instance, I am saying I got no issue with Hassan or any of these people being wealthy. Ethan Klein, obviously, is super wealthy as well. I just think that if we're going to be talking about taxing the rich and, and these kinds of issues, we're really focused on the massive, massive wealth. However, it's still hard to figure out how you draw these lines, considering if, 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 you, if you do like a wealth tax, all that does is eliminates the, the wealthy. Is that really the solution to all of the problems? Well, the left wants that to happen, but I don't know that that's, that's actually a solution to the problem, because if you implement a wealth tax, you'll just end up with individuals finding different ways to gain control over assets. The ultimate issue is that smart and talented people can figure out how to gain control of a system. It may be through finance. It may be through crypto. It may be through control of, uh, of systems or religion or ideology. Ultimately, you take away Bezos's wealth through a tax, he finds other ways to store it. It's like what we saw with, with Mark Zuckerberg putting his money into an LLC, or we see with all these billionaires putting money into nonprofits. But let's read. Netizens react to his home. One user said, don't really see an issue with Hassan buying a house. Becoming rich off streaming probably ranks low on the scale of exploitation. I absolutely disagree. How are you going to come out all day, every day, talk about grifters? People who are scaring grandma to make money. What's they accuse me of doing, even though my audience is like 30 years old on average, younger than I am. And they're saying, I'm just scaring grandma. I mean, maybe when I make an appearance on Fox News, it scares grandma. But my audience is not above 55. It is almost entirely like, I think the average age is probably 30 years old, younger than me. And there's a large portion of 18 to 24, 24 to 35 is probably the biggest demographic. So exploitation, if you are just going online and saying what people want to hear so that they give you money, you are exploiting them. I don't play that game as much as they like to accuse me of it. By all means, you can look at the videos where I've gotten major thumbs down because people are like, I don't like what Tim said about this or he's wrong or bad. I'm going to tell you what I think. You know, I said Joe Biden's speech was actually pretty good. I, th I think he passed the buck, but he said some good things. I can say that uh, it it's the right move to try and withdraw from Afghanistan, even if you do it wrong. And it's, and it's horrifying. Now, my bigger concern is that Joe Biden's just going to be tricking us and sending more troops back in, which he's doing. Anyway, I digress. Hassan has certainly made similar statements where he's he said, you know, look, what Trump did, his plan, it was the right plan. He said this in a recent video. I watched it. He was talking about how Trump's withdrawal from Afghanistan. It was, it was his plan. It was the right plan. But he thinks Trump is responsible for the, the peace deal that happened with the Taliban. And thus, I guess he's saying deserves more blame. I think he's being honest. I think that's how he genuinely feels. I think he's wrong because I think that Biden took it, changed the terms of the deal, and then flubbed it. 
I don't think Donald Trump was in charge when this was going down. He made a peace deal. The peace deal wasn't followed through with. Biden did not respond. Biden snuck troops out in the middle of the night. Now, that uh, debate over, you know, withdrawal from Afghanistan is fine. We disagree. I don't think he's wrong to have his opinion. But I want to point out there are a lot of grifters. There are a lot of people exploiting people. And let me explain something to you. You want to understand what exploitation would be? A plumber fixing the sewage lines so that a society can function. And then people like me and Hassan who make money just opining on the internet. What do we really give to people? Now, I get it. Culture and ideology. But is it really worth more than the hard physical labor of somebody who's like building a house or doing construction? No. And maybe that's why I'm more lefty, right? I've had, I've had uh, some libertarian types and ANCAPs tell me, no, no, no. So I made a music video, uh, Will of the People, and I show it to these individuals, some, you know, uh, right wing types, ANCAP types. And they're like, wow, congratulations, you did a great job. And I was like, oh, well, you know, a ton of people worked on it. You know, Nishra was the one who did the production. And they're like, no, 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 don't, don't pass off credit. This is your project. You oversaw it. You made it happen. It's your talent. And I'm like, I get it. Objectivist, libertarian, you know, ANCAP type. It's you who oversaw the whole thing. And I, I get it. I do. But I really do think the people who did the work are deserving of the credit for doing the work. Of course, it was my idea. I formulated the story. I wrote the song. I wrote everything about it. And then I said, hey, guys, I have an idea. And I needed the people who knew how to do the work. I actually value the hard labor more than I do just the idea. I think they're, they're of equal merit to a certain degree. We only grow great. I mean, for instance, look, I'm only able to do what I do with TimCast.com because you guys become members and are basically all holding up this giant platform, allowing me to try and build something. So I get it. I get it. You know, we, we do add things um, in terms of political commentary. I'm just saying the, the, the workers of the world, I know I'm using that, that phrase on purpose, are substantially more valuable than either of us uh, in our political opinions. But anyway, I, I, I'm, let's, 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 let's jump over to Hassan's uh, uh, Twitter here so I can point out a few things. And then we'll talk about this conversation around owning a house and socialism and why I actually will disagree with Hassan on some things. Again, I'm not trying to make this about Hassan. I'm trying to make it about the ideas of socialism work and, and labor and stuff like that. It just so happens to have fallen on him because he's got criticism over his house. So he's, uh, someone said, imagine supporting socialism, a system in which only the rich benefit and stay within power while the majority of the population is held to a specific standard in payout just to buy a $3 million mansion in West Hollywood. Hassan says you are literally describing capitalism. What you described is capitalism. Even the massively inflated price of the house is also a consequence of capitalism. This one, uh, Alexis says, uh, well, let me pull up the full conversation, try and get some context here. Someone, uh, Alexis Isabel on Twitter says, I don't know, man. It's just flat out unethical to be profiting off of socialism and buying yourself a $3 million home in a state that has one of the highest homelessness rates in the country. If you're mad, I find this to be gross and unprincipled behavior. I don't really care. Hassanabi, uh, Hassan says, you literally have a Patreon link in your profile, LMAO. What does that have to do with what you said? Alexis Isabel actually, I think, makes a really good point. I have no problem with Hassan being successful. I, I bought a massive, you know, million dollar house in basic in the middle of nowhere. It's, it's in Maryland. It's basically like the West Virginia area. It's like Harpers Ferry. It's like a tri-state. And I have no problem with success. Now, I didn't buy the house so that I can live luxury with a butler. We're using it for our production facility to a great extent. You know, we, we, we film a lot here. We film the Cast Castle here. I got this not because I need it. I got it because I want to do more. I want to bring people on. I want to expand and, and create stuff and, and have fun. 
I'm not interested in, in buying a Ferrari. I'm interested in hiring some people who are going to make good stuff and, and inspire people. My actual house is like a thousand square. It's actually really small. This is just where we do work. So I got no problem with buying this. But, but, but Alexis brings up a really good point. I don't come out and come on uh, YouTube and tell you that we need to you know, seize the means of production because the poor working class. I say we need to build a better culture. We need to teach people to work hard and find that merit. And we, we do have problems with you know, uh, crony capitalism. But I'm not sitting here saying that everybody should be giving up everything. You know, I, I guess my politics aren't as far left as Hassan's. If he really was, in my opinion, about what he was talking about, a $3 million house is substantial, man. Like, no, for real. You don't need to buy a $3 million house. He's in West Hollywood. See, I moved to the middle of nowhere because I wanted a big place that was uh, as cheap as I could get. So we chose to, for one, get out of cities. Obviously, you know my political opinion on cities. We wanted to go even further away, but then we need to be close to an airport. So ultimately, I said, I don't want to waste money on a big building, but we need a, a workspace that can accommodate. We have like 25 employees now. We are growing like crazy. We have more shows coming out. So we moved to the middle of nowhere so that we can get a big house. And, and yes, it's substantially larger than Hassan's house, but he chose West Hollywood. And so I do personally disagree with that, though ultimately I think there is a tinge of jealous uh, of envy here. Alexis responded when he said you have a Patreon link in your profile. She said, I mean, that's entirely different than buying a $3 million home in a rich neighborhood, but I guess you got me for making 100 bucks a month. Hassan says, oh, so the way we generate income is identical. It's just the amount that bothers you. Got it. This is a real great look for the, what is this, PSL Web, the Party for Socialism and Liberatio, by the way. Didn't realize Marxism was about the, the relation to the means of production, but about arbitrary cultural signifiers assigned by reactionaries. This is where Hassan starts to lose me, right? He's losing me because he could have just said, listen, guys. I am a proponent for all of the rights of the working class and the labor and all that stuff and for more socialist policy. But I do believe people have a right to earn and be wealthy. That's just it. Instead, it's this weird deflection that actually, I begin, I believe, begins to discredit him. The means of production? Let's talk about the means of production. This house is the means of production. My ability to live in this house is the means of production because I produce in my home. I film this video. The more space we have, the more I can produce. My camera, my microphone, my computer are the means of production. Socialists believe that the means of production should be owned by the public. They also claim to say there's private property and uh, there's a difference between private property and personal property. I can never get a straight answer for this because there isn't one. Where is the line between private property and personal property? Where is it? Is Hassan's computer, his camera, the means of production? The answer is yes. There are a lot of poor people who don't have that computer or that streaming setup. And if they did, they could produce too. Why should Hassan be the only one who's allowed to have access to these specialized tools? His house. His house is effectively the factory. He's got a very large house that is more than enough for a single person. In fact, a single individual would be fine in a one-bedroom apartment. Now, I don't know if he's married or anything like that. But even then, a three-bedroom apartment. Let's, let's be real. You've got mom, dad, kid, three bedrooms. Maybe you want to move out to the suburbs where it's cheaper, so you get a five-bedroom house, five bathrooms. Hassan's house in West Hollywood is the means of production. In a socialist system, the question I have that, that arises with this kind of stuff is, if we truly did say that the means of production are controlled by the public, 
How would you determine who gets to live in the big house and who gets to live in the small house? Why should Hassan, who doesn't make food, doesn't build homes, get to live in the big house and not the small house? I think it's simple. He is in, in, in an authoritarian system. He would be the party, the party member, proselytizing to the masses. That's what he produces. Now, for me, I, but similar, here I am espousing my ideology to you and converting the masses to the ideas of liberal, uh, classical liberalism, libertarianism, and you know, free market and things like that. But I also still kind of believe in workers' rights and to an extent, workers organizing. I think modern unions have become very strange, but ultimately the idea of a union I'm absolutely cool with. I, I, we, 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 this is what we do. I'm not making food for anybody. Actually, that's not true. We do film ourselves baking and stuff, and I do have chickens. Uh, but I just find it very strange that I'm considered to be right wing or conservative, but I find myself to the left of many prominent uh, individuals, or at least challenging the ideas that don't seem to make sense. In a socialist system, Hassan should be granting access to his streaming setup when he's not using it. Other people should have access to the means of production so that they too can be successful Twitch streamers. Right? I get it. Because when it comes down to an individual's personal power, they don't want to give it up. We'll go long on this one. I think Hassan is probably making a cool three, four mil based on, uh, um, you know, all of his metrics and everything like that. And I think it's fine. But I'll tell you where things get weird. As you can see here, Alexis Isabel, who's criticizing uh, um, Hassan, is she's the member of the uh, what is it again? It's, it's the Party for Socialism and Liberatio. That's not a right winger. All right. This is this is on the left. You've got a bunch of people who are on the left criticizing Hassan, and he's responding to them. Hassan tweeted, Breitbart left Twitter weirdos shaking hands. Socialism is when no house. No house. I mean, bro, it's a $3 million house. That's it's very different than not having, you know, than, than not having a house. But I think the, the reality is people need to understand what's Hassan going to do. He's rich. He's got all this money. Is he saying he wouldn't give it up for a socialist system? He said literally to other people, tax people like me if you have a problem with it. So that's it. The dude's rich. He made money. There you go. But here's the point. Josh Bowden, peasant mysticist, also criticizing Hassan, has a sickle and hammer in his name. These are these are not right wing individuals. Breitbart did write this story. Socialist who said, I'm not going to read the title. <laughs> it's a bad comment from Hassan. Buys two point seven million dollar West Hollywood home. I don't understand the, 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 the right wing gotchas on things like this because it's not a gotcha to anybody. I, I guess it's a virtue signal to people on the right because they'll be like, oh, these socialists. Many of these leftists who are criticizing Hassan, I think it's interesting. We'll get to that. But a lot of leftists are defending him, too, because they don't think you shouldn't be able to have merit entirely. Unfortunately, the prominent mainstream leftists that are propped up by people like Hassan do believe there is no meritocracy, do believe in equality of outcome, in which case, in a system that is equality of outcome, Hassan cannot have this house. So anyway, I digress. Ultimately, I think these ideas are authoritarian. And whether or not they actually say they're for stripping away someone's rights and, you know, and, and, and property and things like that, the path they're on leads there. But now I bring you to the hypocrisy. And it's not, I won't, I'm not, I'm not here to drag Hassan. I actually, you know, respect, guy works hard. But Jen Huger says, right wing wants to disempower the left by saying that anytime someone on the left has money, they're a hypocrite. It's a trick to get the left to give away their power. 
If the only people left with money are right wingers, we're all screwed and they know it. Don't feed into it. What? <laughs> what? Sure. Breitbart wrote the article. But I think for the most part, you'll hear from a lot of conservatives being like, hey, see, they prove capitalism works and they want to cheer that on because it proves them right to do so. Although there are many on the right who would criticize them as hypocrites. So Cenk isn't completely wrong. But the issue is, I believe you're more likely to find leftists criticizing you than people on the right. Cenk says in response to someone, right say if you're rich and left, you're a hypocrite, but also say if you're left and poor, you're envious. Cenk says exactly. They set up a no-win situation for the left. These are the talking point ambushes. And when some people on the left help them with these false paradigms, they're gleeful at how easy it is to trick our side. No one ever asks them why it's better to be rich and greedy like them. Rich and greedy like them? What about you? Both of you, Hassan and, and, and Cenk, you're both super rich and wealthy. You could give that money away. I'm not exaggerating. Hassan, you don't have to buy a $3 million home. You can easily buy a million dollar home. You can buy a half a million dollar home. You can move to Pasadena. Why does it got to be in West Hollywood? Pasadena is not that far away. Uh, House in Pasadena, half a million bucks. How about that? And they're big. No, but you want to be in West Hollywood. I'm fine with that. He's allowed to, to, to do those things. But then to say rich and greedy like them, as if only the right is rich and greedy, I suppose the problem ultimately comes down to the fact that Hassan, as rich as he is, doesn't need to live in that area. And he could take the extra after look on a two point seven million dollar house. Considering the market today, I'm probably wrong. I don't know. But I'd have to estimate that that Hassan put down 20 percent buying a house like that. I really don't see many financial institutions wanting to make a a loan of that size on a house to somebody who's going to put down 5%. It's entirely possible that Hassan bought the house in cash even. I don't think that's likely because it's just a bad financial decision, but maybe. I think it's possible he probably put down 600K um, in cash to buy that house. Think about the amount of money you could do. Think about what you could do with that money. And so here's my criticism for everybody, not just the left, for the right as well. To see someone like Hassan making potentially three, four million dollars a year, I'm I'm assuming, again, just speculating. He's a one man show. I make a lot of money. Tim Cast makes a lot of money. So you know what I did? I started hiring people as fast and as quickly as I could, empowering people so that I'll, I'll tell you this. If I were to basically shut everything down and just do this show and Timcast IRL, that's, that's most of where the revenue comes from for the company. But we're expanding and trying to do more. We're doing the Cast Castle. We're doing two new shows that are being built right now. One's a D&D show with, you know, embracing cultural issues and having fun. And one's Tales of Intrigue. Those aren't the names. But we're, we're trying to build shows, build culture, and expand. I'm not buying a $3 million home for myself. My criticism with Hassan isn't his, isn't, isn't his, uh, isn't any perceived hypocrisy. It's, bro, why don't you use that money to put it behind what you believe in? You work hard. I respect that. But why not hire people, start a network, start a brand, start advocating for these causes? My friends, we're also starting a nonprofit. We've already, we've, we've already signed the paperwork that we're, we're going to be setting up a fact-checking nonprofit. I am heavily invested in everything I say that, you know, this, 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 is, this is my passion. These are my goals. When money comes into this company, I keep working towards that goal. Now, Hassan doesn't have to do that. Joe Rogan doesn't have to do that. Uh, uh, Steven Crowder doesn't have to do that. 
Um, maybe, maybe it's a bit unfair, you know, like Rogan does comedy. He's not a politician or a, or a journalist. So he's investing in comedy and, and Steven Crowder has his website and, and stuff like that. But I wonder why it is there's so many prominent right wing commentators who don't grow and expand and use that money to do more. Ben Shapiro does it, you know. Let me throw some shade towards the Young Turks. This is back in February of 2020. Young Turks progressive founder urged his staff not to unionize. Why? I just don't get it. My friends, I run a business. This is a corporation. We have, we, we have employees. We have revenue. We have products. We have investments. We have R&D. We are having fun with it. We are trying to grow to the best of our abilities. And I don't understand the mentality of someone like Cenk who would yell at staff who wanted to unionize. I genuinely don't understand. I see zero problem with staff unionizing. I don't have an issue with it. How is it they call me right wing and I'm the one who's like, oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, I mean, do what's right for you. I believe in you. I might disagree with you politically. Perhaps it's because they're authoritarians. And that's the big dividing line. You take a look at Hassan's political opinions, and that's probably where we disagree. Sure, he may say the Democrats are good and the Republicans are bad. And I'll say, for the most part, the Republicans are bad and the Democrats are bad too. But I like Rand Paul and you know Thomas Massey. They're, they're, shout out. I always shout those guys out. Uh, there's a few Republicans I like, but, you know, I'll, I'll get called conservative while I guess, I don't know. Like I said, you know, I find myself questioning their positions, but ultimately it is, I think, authoritarianism. Why is it that Jenk Uger doesn't want them to unionize? Because he's the boss. He doesn't want anyone challenging his power. A union. Hey, now they have leverage against you. Oh no, my power. So what? Just so what? Your life is good. I think that may be part of it, too. We have this story. Dear comrades, you're fired. Boss of socialist magazine Current Affairs got rid of majority of the staff when they tried to start a worker co-op as he admits sharing power is easy to do in theory, but hard in practice. I don't get it. I don't. Unless they're just grifters and liars. And what they really want is power. I don't want power. I don't care for this stuff. I, I just do what I feel like doing. And, you know, as much, it's, it's funny. People try to act like I enjoy being on camera and all of these things. Not really. I never did. That's why I have no skate videos. I've been skating for decades and I have like three videos because I hate filming. I just want to do my thing and be left alone. Liberty. But I understand community, personal responsibility, the collective good. I understand all that stuff. So I'm rather centrist. I lean a little left on a lot of issues. These people are authoritarians. That's why they want you to have the vaccine mandate. That's why they say you're dumb and you shouldn't choose. And that's why I say, I think vaccines are good, but I think it's your choice, not mine. You talk to your doctor. They take the opposite approach. They say you're dumb, you're stupid, you're maggots, etc. Because they're authoritarians. I'm not saying there are no authoritarians on the right. I'm saying they are too. That's why when, the when it comes to unionization, they say stop. That's why when it comes to their personal wealth, they don't put it behind their, their, their uh, passions. They put it behind their property and their personal wealth because they deserve it. They earned it. They show their true colors, you know, but I, I, I do think they earned it. I do think that they deserve it. I think uh, I, I'm not going to put Hassan in the same uh, bucket as Cenk Uger. I think Cenk is, is, is deplorable and awful. I think Hassan just is, you know, disagreeable. But that's cool. I'm fine with it. Tremendous respect for Hassan streaming like eight, 10 hours a day. That is, man, man after my own, uh, uh, well, I agree, right? 
I, 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 I work really, really hard, and I think those who work hard deserve it, and I think he's entitled to buy his home, and I have no issue with him doing that. I just wonder why it is that these people don't want to put that money behind their cause more so. Hassan says he does put his money behind his cause, and people just don't see it because he's not going to do it for PR. I can respect that. But then I look at like a $3 million house for personal use, and I'm like, that just doesn't seem like you're, you're putting stuff behind your cause. You know what I mean? But I want, I, want, I want to say one final thing to wrap all this up. It may be really simple. It may be really simple. Hassan might actually be making $10 million per year. Some people have said he's making a million bucks per month. And, you know, he's got ads and he's got paying subs and he's got YouTube. Maybe he's making six, seven hundred K a month on his own. And so what do you do when you're sitting on all that money? You can't legally just give it away. People need to understand that, too. When you're rich, you can't just hand someone stuff. You can make donations to nonprofits, but he would be able to just give stuff away. So for him, he's probably like, this is a small percentage of my overall revenue. Plus, it was based on a loan. He may have put a million, uh, you know, 600K down, and he's still sitting on a couple million that he's dishing out. So if you don't know, it's, it's really difficult to say. I can criticize the Young Turks and the, the other magazine for being hypocrites. I, 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 there's, there's too much to get to in the philosophical debate around, you know, socialism. But ultimately, I think one of the important takeaways take, take from everything is the means of production. What is it? Because if it's a, com- a, 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 a computer and a camera, then Hassan would have to share that with other people, and that would reduce his ability to make money. If it's not, where do you draw the line? Because we're in an attention economy. People's phones? You see the issue? I just don't think socialism makes sense. Anyway, Yeah, a long one. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash TimCast. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. Policy Genius is the country's leading online insurance marketplace. It saves you time and money so you can provide your family with a financial safety net starting today. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius helps you compare your options from top companies, and their team of licensed experts is on hand to help you talk through it. Talk to a team of award-winning agents who will walk you through the process step-by-step. Easily compare quotes from America's top insurers in just a few clicks to find your lowest price. Your work-life insurance policy may not offer enough protection for your family's needs. Even worse, it may not come with you if you leave your job. Policy Genius gives you unbiased advice from a licensed expert support team. They have no incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. Thousands of five-star reviews on Google and Trustpilot from customers who found the best fit for their needs. Check life insurance off your to-do list in no time with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com.